You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. It's just one game. But as someone who has the Bills going to the Super Bowl and has Lamar, or not Lamar, Josh Allen as her MVP pick, I'm feeling pretty good. I know it's early, but after last <laughs> night, I am feeling pretty good. What to feel about the Rams, though, after last night? It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM Channel 80. If you're wondering why I've got Lamar on the brain, it's because we also have some news about the Ravens quarterback and the path that he and the team will be taking for this season. Also, a DAC update on an injury unrelated to the previous elbow injury we've been discussing, and a whole lot more to get to on this Friday. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Fitz, let's just get started with last night, though. Our first taste of real regular season NFL action. And man, did Josh Allen and the Bills make a whole lot of prognosticators happy with that 31-10 win over the Rams. Not perfect, but a whole lot of good stuff. Yeah. So, Sarah, as you well know, I'm on a clean eating and, and drinking journey, right? So, like, I'm trying to take care of myself. For football going into season. The ball. Right. That was my whole thought was like, <laughs> look, if I can clean it up during football season, <laughs> then it'll be a true lifestyle change. I watched last night and I thought, you know, I'm going to need to drink all fall. Like, the Bills are so much better right now, so much cleaner right now than I thought they would be even with four turnovers the miraculous thing about this game is that they were in control to me from the outset we all saw that we saw it last night on air but they dominated the Rams team even though they had hiccups throughout the process Mm -hmm. and they just looked smoother they looked more in control they looked uh, like they had a better concept of what they were trying to accomplish and I I said last night, I thought that the offensive coordinator change could be a little bit of a wrinkle. And what we saw is that Ken Dorsey has decided the new coordinator to get rid of the ball quickly. It was a smart game plan. Josh Allen was ready to run it. He was a man amongst boys. And I watched Mm -hmm. this and thought, man, if you are a fan of the rest of the AFC, can we stop having the the AFC is stacked conversation and start having the the Bills are amazing and the rest of the AFC has some good teams because it feels like they're in two different classes right now. Well, we've only seen the Bills. So I'm going to allow some other AFC teams to shoot their shots this weekend and see how it goes. But to your point, Josh Allen looked fantastic. A record-setting completion percentage. He was great. With his legs, maybe a little bit of cringing if you were worried about injury, although it looked like maybe the defensive players were more at risk than he was when he went after them. Uh, He found his targets. He got rid of the ball fast. Gabe Davis is going to be exciting. And then on the other side of the ball, this is a good Bills defense that now you've added Von Miller to. And there were a bunch of guys on that pass rush that got a big chunk of snaps. All of them looked like they could kill you. This was um, a team that on both sides of the ball just like you said, was performing better than expected for week one. And it picked up where they left off last year. I think it's been, I, 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 I don't want to say off the top of my head, but four of the last six games they haven't punted or something crazy like that, right? Um, they just haven't been using their punter. They, they've been extremely effective. In fact, last night, 90% on third downs. That's the second best mark in the last 30 seasons by any team in a single game. They just... In, in tight situations, in high-pressure situations, uh, stepped up to the moment, and, and the Rams uh, did not. Yeah, well, and, and there's this moment where it becomes the second largest defeat that we've ever seen from a Super Bowl reigning champion in an opening night game. And if you're the Rams, it's funny because you could say that Andre Whitworth no longer being with the Rams and Von Miller no longer Andrew, being with the Rams. Yep. Sorry, Andrew Whitworth. 
uh, and Von Miller no longer being with the Rams was a huge difference maker, especially because Von was having such an electric game with the Bills. And mm-hmm. it just felt like you took this one energizer bunny that meant so much to the team last year, put him on the other sideline, and now he means so much. I, I, it was inspirational to hear him speak after the game about how much he loved the Rams, but easy to do after he just was a force <laughs> in the game at a level I didn't expect. That I, I didn't. I knew we'd get good, good Von Miller. We got great Von Miller. That, yep. That's going to be hard to defend all year. There are a couple different numbers I saw in his pass rush, pass rush win rate, which remains the most difficult thing to say. Uh, pass rush win rate, I don't know the exact number. I saw it different in two different places, but both of them would have been better than every regular season game last season for him except one. Uh, so he came out hot as part of a pass rush where he can do a lot. And on the other side, the Rams got Matthew Stafford killed. Uh, and they had themselves killed on those third downs. I expect more from Allen Robinson. I think that's a matter of chemistry with Matthew Stafford. Um, and I expect more from the Rams in general. I was surprised to see them not ready to go. And I think McVay may be questioning some of his preseason decisions about playtime and getting guys ready to go. Uh, but more to be seen from both teams. Really excellent start from the Bills. They get a nice long break before they host the Titans on Monday Night Football. LA's got some nice gimmies coming up on their schedule in the next four or five weeks. So uh, you imagine that they'll get that W pretty soon. It's Spain and Fitz. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz on ESPN Radio on a Friday. A couple other quick football things outside of last night's game. Uh, you and I heard this last night right before our show started, and we kind of said, oh, no big deal. Trey Lance not named a captain of the 49ers. But then I heard some thoughts from Kyle Shanahan and it completely changed my perspective. And Fitz, I think what happens is there are things that you can absolutely downplay by saying, okay, so he's not going to go out and do the coin flip shrug. Right. 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 Or you can say, how often is it that a starting quarterback isn't named a captain? What are people saying about the decision-making around it? I don't think we have that sound yet, but Shanahan was a typical methinks thou doth protest too much. <laughs> it was, well, I didn't want to have seven. Okay, well, you had seven captains the last two. Okay, here it is. Here's Kyle Shanahan. If you if you, if you going to look into it that much, he was seventh in the voting. I just don't want to put seven on there. You know, Debo was eight. Um, that's why I mentioned his name on accident. Uh, we just didn't want to go with six. They don't allow eight to the coin toss, I don't believe. Um, so... It's also his first year starting for us. You know, I think guys do, you know, there's not many rookies who end up being the captains. I know this is his second year, but he's a rookie for us in terms of his first time being our starting quarterback. I mean, okay, first he accidentally names Debo as a captain, even though he was eighth in the voting. Then he says, I didn't want seven, even though they had seven captains the last two seasons. Then he says, oh, I don't think they allow an eighth person out there for the coin flip anyway, but they do allow a seventh. So that reasoning has nothing to do with whether Trey Lance would be named that seventh and heading out there. And then at one point he jokes about how he calibrated all the votes from the players. And well, I could have, you know, fudged him and changed him a little. Why? Why Why would you do that? Right. All of that together makes me think that he is a little bit more concerned about Trey and how this is all going to get going for him early in this season. I, I, There has to be some spot where you look at it and have awareness to the way we're all perceiving the position. And he's made it clear in some of his uh, press conferences that he understands there's a lot of pressure on Trey whether or not Jimmy G's on that roster. And I think that's very true. You didn't alleviate any of it by not naming a captain and naming him a captain, I should say. And I, I think you got to have some understanding of that. Like, you didn't make the kid's job any easier 
by having to answer these questions. And, and that's just an extra level of pressure you don't need. If it's even close, like I can't speak to being a, a, co- a head coach in the NFL. But to me, common sense says if it's even a close decision, you make him a captain just so that he's not answering the questions, you're not answering the questions, and it doesn't create a conversation you don't need to put on a young quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, and, you know, you just add it to the mix, and this is going to be tough for him. You add it to the mix of, of Jimmy G, a guy who almost got you the Super Bowl twice, being right there, right there for fans or players in the locker room yeah. who don't think that Lance can get it done. Um, and then you've got a guy who not only is a young quarterback but had so little experience in college as well. This is not a typical college superstar who needs to learn his way in the pros. It's a guy who also had very limited reps at the collegiate level. So uh, thank goodness for them they get the Bears in week one, I guess. That's all you could say. <laughs> no, but yes. I do think, I think, Sarah, quickly, you make a, a huge point. Like, whatever we think we know about Trey Lance, we have no proof of concept because we really haven't seen it in college either. So uh, it's an important point. Yeah, and uh, – Patience. Patience will be the key there for those 49ers fans and the players. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive Commercial Insurance flexes to fit your business needs. From quick repairs to adjustable coverages and even payment options, Progressive Commercial makes it easy to get what you need. Quote today in as little as six minutes at ProgressiveCommercial.com. Coming up, we're going to preview the AFC South next. Is it the year the Colts put it all together? We'll get into it next. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Wow, this is a smooth groove for a Friday. I guess we're just, uh, this is foreplay for later. We're just oh, yeah. getting ourselves ready for the second hour. This is, Things this get is a little like, bit wilder. Yeah. We're just swiping <laughs> right at this point. We're like, yeah. Yep, yep, yep sure. What the hell? Yep, let's All go. All right. <laughs> Spain and Fitz, smooth grooves on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and Sirius XM Channel 80. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. You can always hit us up on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed, at Spain and Fitz, at Sarah Spain, at Jason Fitz. I'm convinced if I ever get out of sports radio, I could just change into this voice, mm-hmm. and I could do late-night dedications. You sound like Fitz. That's normally Fitz's thing. He Wait. likes to get on his late-night. Yeah, night every once in a while. He likes to get in his sexy like, voice. Hey, guys. He loves hey that. Guys. Yeah. Hey, guys. Hey, guys. Let's talk about you the You know what? AFC you could be South. the modern Delilah. There's no <laughs> doubt there we about go. it. Like, like, there we go. Only- you could be that French guy that's on sometimes that does the uh, the advice oh, yeah, yeah. late nights. Yeah. I'm yeah, all yeah, in yeah, on yeah. I was all in on Delilah for a long time in life until I found out that like she was just talking one night about like having 742 kids and three husbands or whatever it was. But like, oh, you I, were like you had a thing for Delilah. No, no, no. I just liked like the the whole tone of her like love advice and like so I'd listen to it when I was driving back from like bus call and everything. It'd be like you know one in the morning and not yeah, much yeah. on radio. And then 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 one day she started talking about her own life and I'm like, girl, you're giving like a lot of yeah, advice you're giving a some... lot of advice. <laughs> so <laughs> the... out, out of Delilah after that. <laughs> Oh, man. No shade to Delilah or, or Delilah. people who want 11 teen kids. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, hey not. there, Delilah. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about the AFC South. Fitz. We got two divisions left in our preseason previews, and this is going to be an interesting one. I think there is a clear basement in the Texans, and I think the expectations for that team are are little to none. There's not even a lot that I'm looking for. Is there anything about the Texans that you're like, ooh, I'm really excited to see that. Uh, okay, so no, to answer your question short, there, there is nothing, I think, great. But the one thing I would say is the Texans have two skill positions that they may be trying to get an answer on. One is obviously uh, Damian Pierce, the running back uh, that they drafted, is going to get the, the bulk of the work. And so I think he's a real opportunity to watch a young player come out and, and shine. So I, I'm truly happy for that. Davis Mills becomes the other question mark here because 
I, I don't think there's a ton of stock to Davis Mills, but people smarter than me on the football side certainly do. So it feels like the Texans are in a little bit of evaluation mode to see what they have at the quarterback position. I can't imagine a scenario where a bad football team looks at Davis Mills and says, oh, yeah, that's better than Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud in the draft next year. But I do think the Texans are, or at least people smarter than me think the Texans are going to give him a shot to win the job. So maybe that becomes the real uh, conversation and then Lovey Smith getting another shot as a head coach you know is is there anything there or is this just a temporary coaching situation yet again so those are all storylines around yeah. a bad football team and maybe Derek Stingley Jr you always yeah. want to see a yeah. high draft pick and see how they fare at the professional level 100%. so I'll give you those all right this is a Colts team that has a lot of people talking what's hard to read from some of the prognosticators and the best football minds is when they say they believe in the Colts do they just believe in them to take a step forward or actually to contend the, the 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 addition of Matt Ryan in place of a guy that you know Carson Wentz that you thought might have something might be able to find some of the magic from the Eagles and certainly did not that substitution alone has a lot of people feeling like this Colts team has enough pieces around it if Matt Ryan's just pretty decent that they could be not just the division winners but win a playoff game and beyond it's funny to me because there are a lot of similarities about the way we view I think the Titans and the Colts in the sense that both are really led by their running back, and the question is which quarterback's going to screw it up, right? So, you know, this division to me comes back to when you talk about Matt Ryan, you know, he doesn't have a lot of pressure on him this year because this is Jonathan Taylor's team. He rushed for over 1,800 yards last year. Jonathan Taylor will be everything for the Colts, and their offensive line is obviously one that, you know, frankly, usually gets the benefit of the doubt because they get really good play from it. So uh, I, I think people have confidence there. The question to me is how quickly can Matt Ryan feel super comfortable with Michael Pittman Jr. and the rest of these young wide receivers? So I, there's a ton of pressure on Frank Reich. There's a ton of pressure on Matt Ryan because, uh, frankly, if Ryan goes out and he's a bust, people will start mm -hmm. to just yell and scream about the Atlanta narrative. So I think there's a lot of pressure on them, but I also think there's a lot of reason to believe in both of them. Yeah, I think uh, Reich has a lot on the line. He stuck his neck out for Carson, and it, it didn't work out. Um, so now he needs Matt Ryan. Not that this is on Reich, but, you know, he's not going to get that many swings, right? Um, the, the, the Colts, I think, start off with the Texans, which is a big help. If they aren't completely comfortable yet, if Matt Ryan is still figuring out some of those relationships, starting with the – actually, I think they got the Colts and then the Jaguars, if I'm right. So the first two weeks might help them a little bit in terms of easing in. Yeah, I, I think that's a big part of it. You know, when you look at, I mean, particularly for the Titans, they also open sort of soft, sorry, Devin, against the Giants. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think that's a big part of it. Comfort, comfort is going to take a second. And the, the Colts didn't look as good at times in the preseason, even with their starters, as I expected. Now it's just preseason, so who cares? But we will care if we get a couple of weeks in and Matt Ryan looks uncomfortable. This is the moment where Matt Ryan, the quarterback that's been a veteran for so long, has to be able to go to Frank Reich and the, the coaching staff and say, here's what I'm comfortable with. And then you have to trust Frank Reich as a play caller to, to lean to those strengths in a way that still lets Matt Ryan get rhythm but also doesn't take anything away from Jonathan Taylor. I think there's a little bit of a, a dance there that has to happen in play calling. So you're right, they get the time to get comfortable, but the expectation will be that they excel right out of the gate. Sam Macho, ESPN NFL analyst, was on SportsCenter talking about expectations for Indy.
Uh, it has to be not only to win the division, but to win in the playoffs. You have uh, one of the best, if not the best running back in football in Jonathan Taylor. And then you have a top 10 defense, right? So you're bringing in Matt Ryan, the missing piece, the missing link to a top 10 defense and an offense that statistically was a top rated offense last year. And so for me, uh, the Colts are saying, okay, we can win our division, Tennessee in our division. A.J. Brown's not there anymore. We have our quarterback. We have our leader, a guy who's been to the Super Bowl. And so that should be their reasonable expectations. Win the division and try to win in the playoffs. I, I yeah. think that's fair. I, I think mm -hmm. that's a fair expectation for where they are talent-wise right now. Yeah. Let's talk about the Titans and the Jags. I mean, we're talking about the Colts as the division winners. The Titans in the last couple seasons have been disrespected every offseason, have outperformed expectations. Bill Barnwell has admitted to making his preseason picks and always choosing the Titans as the team who's going to take a big step back, and then there they are again. But this year I think it's real, Fitz. This year I, I'm very worried about the Titans. Yeah, I am too. And uh, look, no offense to the Nashville audience that I know uh, I have a great relationship with, I think the the worst move of the entire offseason was the Titans trading A.J. Brown. I, I genuinely mm. believe that because now what you did is you made things more complicated. And I've argued with Harry Douglas about this a few times where he's like, no, now they'll look to spread the ball around more. And I always tell him, no, at some point, sure, that's true. But we all know that when you sit down as a defensive coordinator and you look at the other team and you say, okay, who's that guy? Who's that dog that we absolutely have to stop? Game wrecker is the, the phrase that Harry mm -hmm. Douglas used. That game wrecker is A.J. Brown. You took that away. Now everybody can key in even more on Derrick Henry. It puts more pressure on Ryan Tannehill. The offensive line is good, not great, and may take a step back if they can't continue to grow in some level. I, I, I think the Titans take a step back this year, and I, it's largely because of the personnel decisions that they've made. Yeah, I think also they were going to have a good pass rush until the Landry injury, and I think Truth. it's going to be tough on their corners. The defense is going to look different without them. It's going to it's going to be tough. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. We're previewing the AFC South. All right, give me your order, Fitz. Ah, this has been one of the toughest for me. I go Colts, Titans, Jags, Texans. I, I think it's tough on the Titans, Colts, but I go Colts, Titans, Jags, Texans. I'm going to do the same. Unfortunately, Woo! we didn't talk much about the Jags. They're not going to compete. But they are going to be better, I think, than just taking a step forward. I think it's a huge difference to get Doug Peterson in there with Trevor Lawrence as opposed to Urban Meyer. It's going to be a professional football team under Doug, and I expect to see a bigger step forward than you'd think just based on some of the personnel. Colts are hoping Carson Wentz gets in the zone this season. Uh, no, they're not. They're hoping Matt Ryan does. Get in the zone is brought to you by AutoZone. Get in the zone. AutoZone. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. Be sure to hit us up on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed, at Sarah Spain, at Jason Fitz, at Spain and Fitz. Also be sure uh, to hang out if you're a college football fan. Shameless plug time. Every Saturday I hang out with AJ McCarron on all of our live platforms from 7 to 8 p.m. for the college football show. So you can get all the highlights you need from the early action, set up for the late action, uh, get a little of AJ's expertise across, across the way, and I just act like an idiot. Basically the usual for what we do in those situations. But... One of the guys that makes me much smarter and better at my job is Bill Connolly, ESPN College football writer. He joins us now. Bill, always appreciate the time. Thanks for hanging out with us. Uh, uh, Texas fans are still angry that kickoff was moved to noon for their big matchup against <laughs> Alabama. I keep thinking that might be for the best because it lets them drink after they get their butts kicked. How does Texas <laughs> keep this close? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm old enough now. I appreciate the early kickoff. <laughs> I, 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 you know, 
there's plenty of recovery time. There's plenty of of all that other stuff if, if things didn't go your way. So no no problems there. I will say, I mean, the one shot that that a team usually has of upsetting Alabama is when their quarterback just has a big arm and no fear whatsoever and just starts throwing passes that nobody else uh, has either the guts or the brains to throw. You know, the Steven Garcia route, the Chad Kelly route, those are the, those are the times Alabama gets upset is, is when a big-arm quarterback just lets it rip. And, and Gwen Ewers has a big arm. We, we don't know enough about him yet, but we know his arm earned him pretty much a perfect recruiting ranking in high school. And we'll see. So they have step one covered. It's all the other steps that, steps that are really, really hard. They'll probably trip them up, but they've got that one. I think it's cute that you think they would only drink after the game if it was an early kickoff. That's yeah, cute, that's, Fitz. That, 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 well, that's, no, that shows no, how just, long it's it been since you were in college. Time. It leaves yeah. them more time. That's <laughs> okay. all. Like, you know, okay. Drown your sorrows. <laughs> uh, Bill, let's talk about Baylor. Number nine Baylor. They're taking on number 21 BYU on ESPN <clears throat> 1015 Eastern. Uh, Three-point favorite for BYU. How do you see this one going? Yeah, this this is my uh, my favorite game of the week, just from a pure like styles make fights kind of perspective. This is going to be a super super physical game. I wish BYU's top two receivers weren't out. They've got some other weapons, but that obviously, you know, I think if that had broken early in the week, it wouldn't be BYU by three anymore. I think it would have probably flipped to the other side. But um, you know, this, these are the most expensive or expensive experienced lines in the country for the most part on both sides of the ball. Uh, two really interesting quarterbacks. Uh, it's it's going to be a really super fun. It's late at night. You know, after we've gotten Texas out of the way, we can get to the good stuff, I guess. Um, it, it's going to be – I'm, I'm really looking think, forward to this one from a pure philosophy standpoint. We're talking to Bill Connolly on Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, and uh, obviously breaking down the games that you can expect this weekend. Tennessee, number 24, is visiting number 17, Pitt. And obviously <laughs> – Hypo's offense last year was all about pace and was all about expectations of how many points can they score. Tennessee are road favorites by six in this one. Is Tennessee really that good? My numbers have said so all off season, so I'm just happy that this one, that's the start of the season or very close to it so we can find out because, I mean, their offense, since Hooker took over basically halfway through the pit game last year, uh, they kind of it went to a different level. This is one of the five or ten best offenses in the country we know what tempo does at this point they can score quickly on anybody they if you if your defense is playing well they can go three and out in about eight seconds and really kind of do some damage to their own defense to a certain degree but i do think we're going to find out what we need to know about uh, tennessee's defense and whether they have the depth to hold up this year and we're just going to find out if Pitt can win a shootout i think or uh, you know just a plain old track meet i think they they still might be able to but i do like tennessee in this game i think they've got a lot to offer here Feels like the uh, Vegas books need to have a chat with the people who do the, the rankings on that one because I'm I'm confused by uh, <laughs> how we ended up there. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. We're talking to Bill Connolly, ESPN college football writer. You can follow him at ESPN underscore Bill C. Uh, how about Kentucky, Florida? Number twenty, Kentucky, number twelve for Florida. Florida laying six on this one. Uh, what's you know the 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 feel for this one, and how big is this for the SEC? <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, this is, um, at the very least, this is a really nice jockeying for position for second in the SEC East here. Uh, but obviously, uh, you know, both of these teams have a little bit more ambition than that right now. I guess the main question for this game is how does Florida respond to last week? You know, last week was an extremely physical game, huge atmosphere and, and great finish and all this other stuff. Now they got to do it again because Kentucky is even bigger than Utah. I don't know if they're – 
you know, the, on the edge, I'm not quite sure what they have talent-wise if they're better than Utah in that regard or not, but they're big, uh, and they're super physical, and they, they have a sense of self that, that Mark Stoops has developed there through the years of just here's how we're going to win games. We're going to be super physical and super mean. We're going to make big passes on third and seven, uh, and, and it's really hard. You know, Florida's had a lot of identities through the, through the recent years, so I think that's going to be kind of an interesting thing. Can Florida get back mentally uh, and, and, and play another big game? And then they have Tennessee pretty soon, too. It's a really interesting start of the season for Florida. Take the other side of it for a second, though, Bill, because Kentucky, it was, what, 50 yards rushing last week on 26 attempts yeah. against Miami of Ohio. That's not good. And now you go into this again without your leading rusher. How does, how does Kentucky generate any offense in this game? Well, I mean, I think the the, the clearest answer is pass. <laughs> you know, they, they, they do have a, a guy who's kind of come out of nowhere over these last few months, uh, Will Levis, to, who, to become kind of a a, a big-time prospect. And, and a lot of people are looking at him and trying to figure out if he's a top 10 or first-round pick or something. He's been really – he started off when he was at Penn State. He was, he was basically an athlete playing quarterback. But last year uh, and then last week as well, just passing down numbers off the charts. Basically, once they fall behind schedule, he catches them up, and then they try again. And, and obviously, with Chris Rodriguez Jr., they're better, uh, especially on offense. But I, I think they, you know, they kind of have a trump card. They they know how to get out of trouble. And Florida, we still don't quite know about Florida's depth or overall talent level. They were kind of, you know, Utah created quite a few scoring chances there, and probably should have put that game away. This will be another good test in that regard, though. All right. So somehow tomorrow. One of these two teams loses. Which one is a bigger deal? LSU versus the Southern Jaguars. Or uh, who's Notre Dame got? Marshall. Which oh. one is a bigger deal? <laughs> well, Marshall, Marshall's better than Southern. Yes. Let's put it that way. Yes. So I guess if we're, you know, the, there'd be quite a party in Baton Rouge and a lot of different places <laughs> if, if, if Southern pulling that one off that'd be very very fun i i do think marshall's a really interesting test for notre dame though um this is they're athletic they, they always have a very high level of athleticism new quarterback new pieces and everything else but if notre dame is in any way hungover from from last week if they haven't really got kind of gotten resituated and they're ready to go marshall you know toledo almost beat them last year and in, in kind of a similar just kind of they got some bad breaks early and and it became a game for four quarters i could see that happening I assume Notre Dame takes care of business, but they could get in trouble if they're not sharp. Bill, are we just giving up on West Coast football entirely? Is there a game from the Pac-12 that, that <laughs> really stands out to you as worth the, the country watching? Well, I do think it's, you know, USC is still worth following here. They, they left the most conflicting possible impression last week where they give up 200-plus yards to Rice in the first half. And you're like, okay, this is exactly what I expected. The defense is going to be terrible. Uh, and then they have, like, a couple more pick sixes. They, have, they give up, like, 20 yards in the second half or something. They, they rebounded, but, you know, which one of those was real? And, and I think Stanford, you know, if Stanford's going to play well in a given year, it's going to be against either Oregon or USC. Uh, they're going to be able to test USC's defense. And, you know, <laughs> I assume the Pac-12, you know, to the extent that they all want, a, a, you know, a CFP contender this year. Granted, USC's not going to be Pac-12 very long. Uh, they're going to be rooting for, US, for, for, for USC in this one. I don't know if uh, – I don't know. I, I assume they, that the defense still ends up being a problem, but I figure they get through tomorrow. You can follow him on Twitter at ESPN underscore Bill C. Uh, check out the writing on the dot com. It makes all of us smarter. It'll make you smarter, too. Bill, really appreciate you hanging out with us. Thanks for the great work, my friend. Absolutely. Thank you. That's Bill Connolly, ESPN college football writer. And obviously, he's with us because college football's back. 
Tune in tomorrow. Arkansas hosts South Carolina, presented by Dr. Pepper. Coverage begins at 11.30 a.m. Eastern. Ooh, early on ESPN Radio and, of course, the ESPN app. All right, we saw record ratings in the WNBA and a rule change in the in Major League Baseball that may have diehard shooketh. We'll tell you about it next as we go through quickies on Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Wow, we're keeping ESPN it smooth. App. Sirius XM Channel 80, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. I just want a quickie. I know. I get it. It's Hey, look, I'm just reciting the lyrics. Devin's back here saying, what are you doing? I'm just reciting the lyrics, man. You play the song, and I speak about the song. That's not on me. That's on Billy. Billy's the one queuing up the music here, Dev. Why are you turning so red right now is my question. Well, because you're looking at me while yeah, I sing. I want to go quickie. It gets settle a little, down. It's Fitz. a little warm in the studio. I'm, I'm you know, I'm Somebody's heating up. <laughs> All right, Sarah Spade, Jason Pitts. Uh, we got a lot to get to, and we're going to do it only the way this show can. It is time for some quickies. Quickies with Spain and Fitz. We get in and out of topics fast. There's absolutely nothing heavy-handed about that at all. All right, Sarah. Last night, I was uh, hosting SportsCenter on Snapchat, and uh, I, you know, we walked to a different studio area to uh, to host, and I feel pretty good as I walk out and I head to host and uh, realize that, you know, the, the sky are doing just fine. The sky are just doing fine, and you're going to be great. And then all of a sudden, the sky was falling. I don't know how we feel today, but I just have to check in because the Connecticut Sun did the impossible with a massive comeback, and they thwart the Chicago sky and take the series in five mm. games. Uh, I don't want to spend too long on this because okay. I'm angry. I'm not sad. Well, I am sad. I'm sad and angry. It was pathetic. It was embarrassing. I feel for the players because that is going to be a hell of a long off season when you score five points in the fourth quarter. You got a nine-point lead after a super successful third, and then you absolutely lay down and blow it with a chance to get back to the finals and defend your title. Who knows what's next for Candace Parker? Allie Quigley and Sloot could retire. It could be a whole different next year they had so much talent they had so much depth they swept this team in the regular season this was absolute horror i feel every ounce of that and all i thought was oh you know what when i saw that happen uh when i saw the final yeah. score all i Oblique. could say was like oh god uh oh god yeah. oh god the uh, only good thing i could say is that the playoffs are the most viewed in 20 years through mm. the first 19 games 440,000 viewers uh, the semifinals, most viewed since 2010, 488,000 viewers through nine games. Uh, they are crushing, and deservedly so. There's been some really good games, just not from my sky. Question for you from a professional standpoint. I'm supposed to host SportsCenter on Snap next Thursday, but there would be an Aces game mm, in mm-hmm. Connecticut. Now, I figure I can get our bosses at radio to let me do mm-hmm. radio from the sta- from the arena, no problem. Uh, yep. but, but Snap, I got to be here. Do I just tell Snap I'm to find not somebody? Available. Yeah, that, that's what I've, I feel like that's the right thing to do. Like not I'm going to go cover a sport, and then uh, is it appropriate to show up in head to toe Aces gear as a professional at this? One hundred percent. Do I hit the Aces up for free tickets, or do I hit the Scott the Sun for for Ooh, free tickets? Uh, you just, hit up someone who lives in Connecticut that gets tickets from the Sun, and then doesn't say that they're giving them to you. Oh, that's why she's a golden god, yeah. and I am just mm-hmm. a semi professional. Right. All right, let's move to the next story. Quickies. Uh, Major League Baseball has some rule changes coming out that are going to have 
the purists of Major League Baseball a little angry, I think, uh, as we get a slew of rule changes coming for 2023, not the least of which is that uh, there will no longer be shifts allowed defensively. Uh, There will be a pitch clock at this point. Uh, there's going to be a, a pickoff change where essentially you can only attempt twice, and then after that, uh, if you try and pick off the runner, the runner automatically advances a base. And they're if making, you don't get them, yeah, if yeah. you don't get them, sorry. And they're going to be making the bases bigger. So a lot of changes here. I don't mind the pitch clock. I've gone to yard goats games in Hartford. I like the fact that it keeps things rolling. I'm good with that. I I hate I hate the fact that you're turning around saying, well, there's no more shifting. Really? Just like so you're going right. to change the way they play defense. I I hate this. Yeah, I'm fine with the pitch clock and across the minor leagues players have said that they've really gotten adjusted to it. Uh rarely in a game is there any sort of uh ding for going above because people uh have just adjusted. Fine with that. Banning the shift because the game is evolving and def- defenses are figuring out hitters. Philosophically, I disagree. I understand. I'm sick of talking about fixing baseball. And if this is going to put an end to that and we're going to see more balls in play, more action, more plays by the infielders, you know, batting averages go up, all of that, I get it. But philosophically, it's frustrating. And I feel like it's interrupting an evolution and not seeing where it goes. There's plenty of times in sports where we've seen a massive change. And the way somebody has adjusted and reacted has been fascinating and interesting. And instead, we're just nipping it in the bud and saying, we don't like this. And it it feels wrong, even if the intended result is good. I agree with everything you just said. So let's move to the next story. Perfect. Quickies. All right, we've got more updates as is the daily situation with Lamar Jackson, but this will be the last one for a while as both Lamar and the team have spoken out on the fact that the 25-year-old quarterback did not reach a new agreement with the Ravens, which means he'll play this season under his fifth-year option, will make $23.016 million this year. They could franchise him after this season if they wanted to, but we now know that there will be no contract resolution for this season. This is what Damian Woody, ESPN NFL analyst, had to say about this year for Lamar on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max. Lamar Jackson not sweating that. Like, honestly, Lamar Jackson going to get paid top billing one way or the other at the end of the season. I I think Lamar Jackson is going to go off this year. Like, I think he's going to go off. Like, people talking about the contract and questioning, you know, you know, Lamar Jackson, because he had, quote-unquote, you know, a little bit of a down year last year. Lamar Jackson would be like, okay. He would, until he got hurt. I thought he was the best player in football I, last year. Max, <laughs> I mean, last not, year. Max, you're not, like, that's what, like, literally, you could make the case he was the MVP. Until he got hurt, With yeah. all those people hurt, Lamar Jackson mm-hmm. was literally carrying the ball. They had the best Ravens. record in the division. To me, Lamar Jackson is going to go scorch earth this year. So, Sarah, I don't want to have the same conversation that everybody's had a million times. By the way, ESPN Radio presented by Progressive Insurance. Insurance for motorcycles, bo- boats, and RVs for protection on the road and on the water. See how much you can save at 1-800-PROGRESSIVE and Progressive.com. You made a great point yesterday as we were starting our conversation about Lamar that's been stuck in my head for 24 hours. And that is, what's the end game here? Because if I'm the Ravens and I'm looking around, like, yes, there is this really small chance that we could have an Alex Smith, God forbid, uh, type injury that, that absolutely changes his life. That is a very small. We see that so rarely. The other options are Lamar doesn't play as well as you hoped, which means everybody's screwed. 
Lamar plays as well as he's been playing for the last several years, which means he's not going to come off his valuation at all. Or Lamar plays even better, wins another MVP, and all of a sudden he's only going to make his valuation go higher. If you're the Mm -hmm. Ravens in an argument with Lamar about what his actual value is, I don't see how this gets resolved anytime soon, not just this year, but even moving forward. If you don't see it now, what are you looking for? Well, and it's bad news for them if his value goes down because it means he played worse. It's good news if he plays incredibly well and they have to pay him even more. So what's the point of the back and forth? That they believe he's going to give up? That if he gets hurt, he'll take less? But now you got a hurt quarterback. Yeah, I just, I'm, I'm not sure what the end goal is. And so I don't know that I'm as, I, I, I think it's quite possible that Damian Woody's right and he has a great, great, great season. But he kind of needs one. We're getting further away from 2019. And, you know, if he wants to use his numbers to prove that he's deserving of a contract nobody else except for Deshaun has, he's going to have to put up more numbers like that consistently and without injury. By the time Burrow and Herbert signed their deals, the, the market could have been reset so many times that even if he's just okay this year, he's now worth what he wanted anyway because we're going to see more mm-hmm. and more value go to it. I, I think it's interesting, too, because even if, God forbid, again, if he's hurt and and it's a serious injury, the Ravens are still going to have to make a hard decision then. It's going to be equally difficult on them. They they just going to go back to the quarterback market because Lamar got hurt again? I don't, I don't see that happening. It would have to be something massive. So short of something that we see, you know, once in a, a blue moon with an RG3 or an Alex Smith, short of that, it feels like everything else only gets more difficult, not just for the player, but also for the team. Yeah. It, it might just be a really expensive and dangerous game of chicken. Yeah, well, and if that's the case, man, I I don't see a way that Lamar loses. I just don't, you know, mm-hmm. and he's going to come into this year. I have high expectations for the Ravens, but if they thought it was expensive, like uh, how many times am I going to say this? If you think you have your guy at quarterback, just pay him. Pay because him. Look at Look at what Mahomes' deal is now. Yes. It's a steal. That That's exactly it. Like the average annual value changes so much. That mm-hmm. what is a gross contract that's overvalued today is a bargain in three years. Get ahead of the trend of where it's going and just pay the man. I I, I don't understand. I understand exactly why Lamar wants what he wants. I don't understand what the Ravens think they're going to get by holding out even more on getting a contract done. In the meantime, I also don't believe it plays into anybody's psyche. Lamar's going to go out and he's going to have a heck of a year. Uh, speaking of heck of a year, what, what do we want to bet on the NFL uh, what I can't read. Want to bet on the NFL? We'll help you do that next. I'll learn how to read too. Spain and Fitz on ESPN no, Radio. Eh. Spain and Fitz the podcast.